Kevin Harvick, no traffic. The 20 has closed the gap. He's within five car lengths of Kevin Harvick as they come to the final turn. Bell, just not enough time. Kevin Harvick is going to win at Richmond. He goes back to back. Yeah, boy, great job. Great job. Welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And we've got a great episode for you this week because we're going to start by recapping a Richmond race that was pretty good, pretty profitable. We'll talk about why and uh, recap that race overall. Then we're going to get into some Watkins Glen stats, some details there, talk about what our data points are going to be this week, and then get right into some outright picks. A little chalky, but we'll talk about why and the reasoning behind it, and we'll get into some finishing position picks. That's where you can get a little um, little bit more risky, I think. And then after all of that, we are going to welcome on a first-time guest. We've got Rod via Gomez coming on, and you may know Rod from basically everywhere. He's all over the place right now, and I'm very happy to bring him on later in the episode. So we got a lot to talk about, a lot to get to, and it's going to be a great one for sure. So let's start by taking a look back at Richmond, because I thought it was a pretty fun day, right? A pretty solid race. The track was a lot more racy, I think, than it was in the spring race. It was pretty early on. These guys were getting after it, and the tire wear, that's what we're looking for, right? I mean, not to jump the gun, but they started talking about repaving. They were interviewing the drivers about repaving that track after the race was over, and the looks on some of the guys' faces and the the disbelief on, on the radio Guys were like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Like, this was great. This was the type of racing that I think a lot of people like to see. So it was uh, early on, the indication was, yeah, this is going to be pretty solid. And I think it lived up to that. It definitely, in my opinion, was better than the spring race. And I had Denny Hamlin in the spring race as an outright pick. Um, I did not have Kevin Harvick, but we'll talk about that. So our podcast picks, as far as like how we did... Uh, looking at it there, we called out Joey Logano. We just missed. We had Logano at plus 1,500, and you know, I was feeling pretty good about it. But the fact of the matter is, the stat that we laid out about Joey Logano came back to haunt him again. We were saying that he leads NASCAR in these track types as far as average running position with the last 10% of the race left, and then he plummets. He's got the the worst differential from average running position when the last 10% of the race starts to the end of the race, and that continued. I mean, I think he finished sixth. Uh, Could be wrong there, but he didn't finish first, and he was running up front for most of that race starting around stage two, so pretty disappointed. He looked like a rocket ship early. He might have just been pushing the tires, then he got that sought-after track position because as you saw ross chastain you know he was looking really good in stage one but he faded as soon as he got back into traffic logano was passing guys he was looking like a really strong car you could have even live bet him in the first stage at plus 1200 i saw that uh and you know it's pretty good value because they showed him passing cars looking really strong and well it was all for not our outright pick did not hit but still felt pretty strongly about logano in a couple other different ways so we'll uh we'll come back to him 
in just a second. But Harvick is your winner. Back-to-back races. Really unbelievable. I mean, if you think about it, we were saying, all right, well, you know, if it's not Michigan, maybe it's Richmond. This is when he was on the outside looking in, and he goes out and he wins both races. Unbelievable job by that four team and that Stuart Haas racing team. So why this was profitable, even though we didn't hit the outright winner? Well, if you're telling the overall season win total bets that we had at the beginning of the season, we were on Stuart Haas racing over 2.5 wins. And that was the one that set us over. So feeling really happy about that. We had an early hit with Chase Briscoe in the season. That was good to kind of get that, get the juices flowing with that one. And then Harvick just absolutely wraps it up for us here. Bang, bang. Now, uh, I don't get paid out until the end of the regular season, or excuse me, the end of the the full season. So in November, I'll see that money. But uh, no matter what, we're pretty happy about that bet and happy that you know, Harvick was the one to go out and get it done back-to-back weeks. Now he's looking like a pretty good bet in the playoffs here. He's looking really strong. They have figured out whatever it is they were missing, and they are acting upon it. So great stuff there. And, well, while we're at it, I mean, we didn't have Harvick to win, but hits the season win total. So we love that. It's, it's also the reason why we take those season win totals, right? I mean, you know, because you might not call somebody out on a specific week, but they still help you in the long run, and that's what happened this week. But our tool hangers, bet of the week, it was Kevin Harvick over William Byron. We talked about that with Mark uh, at Skybox NASCAR last week. And, well, if you win the race, obviously win the matchup. So uh, very happy to add some money to the pot there for toolhangers.com and feeling real good about where we're at right now with uh, going into the last two races. So our race day pick. So our podcast picks... They weren't fantastic. You know, we just missed with a gun. I mean, if you if you tailed us on the podcast picks last week, you were having a fun race, right? Because we had Logano as an outright. Um, now, Briscoe looked pretty good for a lot of the race for a top 10, but then he ended up falling apart at the end. And uh, Austin Dillon, top 10. I mean, he was not even sniffing that. Early, early in the race, he was kind of flirting with it, but then he completely fell apart. He was multiple laps down pretty quickly in stage two. So that was upsetting to see. Um, then the Toyotas won too, obviously that didn't work out, but, um, we, we called out Kevin Harvick as a tool hangers better of the week. So we'll, we'll be happy about that. Um, we did lose the full tank face off to skybox NASCAR. So Mark gets us there. And that was an interesting one because he had a, uh, what was it? A, a strategy there with William Byron. And you kind of thought, okay, well, we're going to live and die by Byron here. The fact that he has him in two matchups. Well, that actually isn't how it worked out because I beat Byron in one matchup with Harvick. It was the tool hangers bet. And then Byron beat Bubba Wallace in a, a second matchup. So Byron actually splits the two matchups he was involved in. It was not a straightforward, like black and white situation there. Uh, Bubba just barely missed him. I mean, he, he just barely missed by a couple spots. That would have done it for me. Uh, and then I had Kyle Bush over Christopher Bell. And for most of the race, that looked like it was going to hit. And Christopher Bell just comes on strong at the end to take that matchup for Mark. So props to him. My hat is off to him. I think he's gotten me twice this year. So uh, that might be the, the first time anyone could ever say that. So hats off to him. But 
race day. So we talk about the significance of, you know, practicing qualifying at some tracks, and obviously short tracks are part of that. Race day parlay that we threw out there on Instagram. If you tailed that, that hit. That was a, a good one, a three-leg parlay. Then we called out a couple other guys, Eric Jones and Eric Almarola, to finish in the top 10. And Almarola was plus 200 to hit the top 10, and he hit easily. I mean, he was a force. He was running top five for a lot of that stage three. Uh, I think he ended up like eighth or seventh. But uh, nonetheless, Stuart House Racing with a pretty solid showing overall because uh, obviously they get the win and Briscoe looked good for a lot of that race, and then uh, Almarola showing some speed. So really uh, happy with what happened there with the race day picks. It's always good that they can kind of offset what we threw out there on uh, the podcast since it is earlier in the week. You have to kind of adjust and, and read and react to what you're seeing there. So um, even though some of those guys like Dylan and, and Briscoe ended up letting us down, we are able to recover. I mean, that parlay was a good one. It made sense, and uh, we locked that one in. So um, overall, good stuff because of the season win total bet, and I thought the racing was good in general. So even if we didn't have any money on that race, I thought it was pretty interesting to follow along with, and uh, I hope that... You know, they don't repave that track for a long period of time because the the tire wear situation, the amount of tires that the guys had, you know, you spin out. Christopher Bell at one point spun out and they're like, oh, man, it's a waste of tires. They just threw those on. Like that kind of stuff is interesting to me. And I I really hope that they don't go down that path. Uh, I don't see why you would from what we saw last week. It was really good stuff. So we will then move on because the the big storyline coming out of Richmond is the fact that Martin Truex, who a lot of people, myself included, thought would be locked into the playoffs coming out of Richmond. He is not. He is on the outside looking in, and now it's really down to Blaney and Truex as far as points, as long as there's no other winners. So we'll move to Watkins Glen, and that puts only two races left, and these are absolute wild card races with a road course this week at the Glen and then Daytona looming above everyone in just two weeks. So... We have four road courses this season, and so this is the fifth one on the schedule. So we kind of know what we're working with here. Now, looking back at Watkins Glen, you got to remember they skipped the 2020 race because of the the pandemic. So what I'm looking at is uh, the last four races. If you dig back four races, that brings us all the way back to 2017. And that's, that's pretty sufficient, I think, because you have the veterans in there. They're going to have four races, but then some of the younger guys... They'll only have one, maybe two, depending on who you are. So I I like just keeping it to four races because 2017 was a while back. And, you know, you don't want the veterans to have so many more races than the the younger guys who only have one or two starts here. So that's how I'm kind of looking at it then. But um, it's interesting, the, the fact that, you know, that far back, it doesn't really seem that way when you're looking at it on paper. I mean, four races. So we only go here once a year. In 2020, they didn't at all. It's pretty pretty wild stuff. Um, so we've got a mixed bag of driver's experience here, and that's something that's worth noting. Because of these younger guys only having a, a shot at it last year or only in the Xfinity series like somebody we're going to talk about, uh, that's pretty interesting to me. And something you have to be aware of when you're making your picks and you're watching the race, you know, will inexperience at this specific track matter? That's a question mark that I can't answer. We're going to have to see what happens this weekend. But looking at the track stats specifically at Watkins Glen, because this is a 
OG road course. We don't have to lean on all road course stats here. We're going to specifically talk about Watkins Glen. 38 races here in the span in the Cup Series. 10 times the winner has started from the pole, and the last time it happened was 2019 in Chase Elliott. And something tells me we will be talking about that race in just a bit. Top five, the winner has started there 65% of the time, and starting in the top 10, 76% of the time. So what those numbers tell me is that qualifying clearly matters. You're basically saying three out of every four race winners started within the top 10. That's important, but... Um, more importantly than that, I think top five is a pretty high percentage, 65% of the time starting in the top five. That's a little higher than we're used to seeing. Um, and when we do see 65% of the time, you know, around that number, we typically see a higher top 10 percentage. So it's kind of interesting to see the spectrum there, um, the way it is now, 76% of the time within the top 10, but zero times has the winner at Watkins Glen started outside the top 20, which is a very important stat when qualifying rolls around. Because if we talk about some of these guys, whether it's a, a race winner here, somebody that we like a lot, or maybe it's a longer shot, I, the stats, the history would tell you, if you're starting outside the top 20 at Watkins Glen, you're not going to win the race. So you're going to have to adjust on race day if you place a midweek bet here on one of these guys and they don't perform during qualifying. The only caveat there I would say is if, you know, they don't qualify for any particular reason. So manufacturer trends, well, the only thing I can really tell you, it's pretty evenly split amongst, you know, everybody in the last 10 races or so, but the last three races has been Chevy. Um, so Chevy, just like every road course on the market or on the schedule, they have dominated nonstop. They are just on a run right now. And will they be stopped? I don't know. It's really tough to imagine Chevy not winning this weekend. So looking at the stats and the, the data points that I'm going to be pulling from this weekend, uh, I kind of alluded to it a, a little bit ago because I got four races that I'm looking at. In terms of uh, Watkins Glen, I'm not going any further back than that. So when we're talking about average finish driver rating, that's the, the set of st uh, races that we're talking about there. And then for 2022, we want to utilize what we've seen so far. Four races there as well. Those are very important. These next-gen cars, it's a decent sample size to work off of here at Watkins Glen. So I'm uh, pretty happy about that. We'll be calling out things like green flag speed, average finish driver rating for this season when applicable. So a um, couple news and notes here. Kimi Raikkonen, his debut in NASCAR. You're going to hear a lot about this. I'm sure they're going to absolutely play this up on the broadcast. He's driving the 91 car for Trackhouse. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about him in just a bit, but that's a big deal coming over. He's F1 driver. I think he won the, the world championship years ago for Ferrari. I don't know too much about him. I know uh, there's somebody that I have uh, come across in the last year or so that, you know, Raikkonen has been their favorite driver in F1. So I'm um, pretty anxious to see how he translates over now to NASCAR in uh, what is a pretty decent team. So that's really the, the big news. And, We've known about this for a while, so it's not like they just asked him to, to race this past week. He's had this, uh, and Trackhouse has had this on their calendar, so um, pretty cool stuff there. So we're going to talk about our picks to win outright 
and I'm talking a, a little bit about the favorites yet again. I'm not going to, you know, sugarcoat it. I, I think the drivers that I'm talking about on today's episode are not going to surprise anybody, but I'm going to really make the case as to why. That's really the, the most important thing here. So you might be rolling your eyes like, yeah, of course, like that's a pretty obvious pick when we talk about some of these guys, but it's really about the reasoning behind it. So that's the case we're trying to make. And, and that's for the outrights and potentially for the finishing positions. If you've uh, kind of already looked at the stats and you've, you've looked at who's good, the guys that I'm calling out might not surprise you that much. So if that is the case, I apologize. You know, I don't want to let you down here with a boring episode. I don't want to say it's boring, but I think that these picks are definitely worth your time. So let's talk about it now. We're going to get into the man, the myth, the legend at Watkins Glen. It's Chase Elliott. I mean, I alluded to this last week and, you know, on Derek's show at Picks by Blaze on the Twitter Spaces show, I had said with Chase Elliott, talk to me next week because Watkins Glen is where I want Chase Elliott. And when I think of Watkins Glen lately, I think of Chase. Uh, who can't? Uh, that's the thing. Like, who can't think Watkins Glen and the nine card doesn't just pop right into their mind? In the last three races, these were his finishes. One, one, and two. So when we see that Chase Elliott is plus 500 at this racetrack, this, to me, is a gift from the sports books, And you can thank Kyle Larson last year for winning that race for this odds. And Tyler Reddick doing his thing recently for these odds. Chase Elliott is who I've had earmarked all season long when we talked about Watkins Glen on the schedule. You know, weeks out, he is who I wanted. And I was happily surprised to see that he was plus 500. I cannot imagine that this is going to be the race day value for Chase. So I think it's a get it while you can situation. I can't see unless he goes out and qualifies like really poorly, which I don't see happening. I can't see this getting any better for you as the gambler. So plus 500 is pretty solid. In his last four, I know we just talked about three races, but last four races, that data set at Watkins Glen, two wins, three top fives, three top tens. He's second in average finish, which is 4.3. Second in drive rating, 127.0. I mean, if you win two races, obviously it's going to be really high, but those numbers are astronomical, just unreal situation there. Now, in 2022, average green flag speed at the four road courses that we've been to this year, Chase Elliott is first. And that is not a surprise, right? If, you know, you were to go all the way back to February and you were saying, you know, okay, when we get to Watkins Glen, who do you think is going to be leading the series in green flag speed? We would have easily said Chase Elliott. But, you know, it doesn't really feel that way because he hasn't had a win yet this year. So first in green flag speed, he's second in average finish, 7.5 at the four tracks we've been to. So, I mean, I, I can't pass this up at plus 500. The 2019 race, I mentioned that was the race he won from the pole. That right there is going to be burned into my brain unless he just absolutely goes out and lays an egg, you know, completely not run into by other guys. If it's Chase Elliott and that team going out laying an egg, fine. But that 2019 race is burned in my brain for a long period of time because of how amazing they were. It was pure, unadulterated dominance. I mean, that's 
that's really the, the situation there. Chase Elliott has figured out this track. And when you find guys who learn the tracks, they figure it out, you have to pounce on it. So plus 500, it's worth it to me. Now, if you're not digging that, right, you say to yourself, well, he hasn't won yet this year. I think that's going to continue. Um, but I want Chase in some way, shape, or form. I would caution you to do something maybe uh, like a top 10, right? He's minus 500 for a top 10. That's ridiculous. But you parlay that with something else that's ridiculous and do that a couple times. For example, right, the Phillies are playing the Mets on Sunday. I would take the, the Phillies like plus four and a half against the Mets and parlay that with this ridiculous bet and then do that same thing with a, another baseball game. You know, that you another team that you might follow in some way, shape, or form, maybe Sunday night baseball. Just make ridiculous bets like that that give you some sort of plus money, um, even odds, get the, get it to even odds, and then uh, have a field day with it. Or, you know, throw something else in there, maybe the F1 race for next week, for Stappen minus 125 with this top 10 that gets you like plus 115, not too shabby. So you got action across multiple weeks there. Um, that's if you're scared of taking Chase for the win. Because Chase this season, even when he doesn't look good, he looks good. Our guy Chris Wormy, he said it best on Stay Green, his podcast, Bet the Board. Chase Elliott is performing at a championship level. Why? Because he's taking a mid-pack car and getting ridiculous finishes out of it. So last week was a great example. They qualified poorly, and then sure enough, when last bit of the race is up there stage three chase elliott is up there as well you know top five in that richmond race so you got to give that team credit got to you know now say all right well you take that momentum that they have and they're going to a track that they absolutely love man can't say enough about this guy so plus 500 lock me in for the nine car if i haven't convinced you yet i'm never going to do it the next guy that i'm calling out is tyler reddick plus 600 i know i know it's more chalk i get it but I really thought that Reddick was going to be the favorite in this matchup, or excuse me, in this race. I was really anxious to see how the books played. And he's getting plus 600 right now. Some books out there had him at plus 650. Uh, so you got to really shop around. But plus 600, I still think, is a damn good value here. So it's uh, not a shocking pick. I get it, you know. But I refuse to lose to Tyler Reddick again. I had him at Road America, and then I avoided him at the Indy Road Course. Now, that was my vacation episode, so, you know, I was kind of taking it a little easy. I wasn't diving so hard into the picks, uh, but or into the data, rather, but he goes out and he wins back-to-back -back road courses. I mean, it's safe to say this guy has figured it out on road courses, so you got to hand it to him. And that's why I'm saying I refuse to lose to him again, even if it's chalky, plus 600 for someone who's back to back shit for both him and Chase. I would have thought like plus 350 plus 400. This is uh, pretty solid. If you ask me, you're going to find people out there that say, ah, oh, no, that's too short, too short. And that's fine. But we're talking about Tyler Reddick here. He's a short king. We love it. Uh, he finished 10th in his one Watkins Glen start last year. So there's not much data you can go off of for Watkins Glen for Tyler Reddick, but in this season, four starts, he's fourth in green flag speed and sixth in average finish. So that sixth 
might make you question that a little bit. But the fact of the matter is he had a 35th place finish at Sonoma, so that really jukes the stats a little bit. If you kind of throw that out as an outlier, his three finishes are 5th, 1st, and 1st. And that win at the Indy Road Course, if you're trying to really go like, okay, these are road courses, so automatically they're comps, but the Indy Road Course actually comps pretty well to Watkins Glen with that first turn, the way that that is situated there. Um, So not too shabby to have the winner coming off of that race. And he's got the best driver rating in 2022 compared to everyone in NASCAR. So that right there is another feather in the cap. And this is another situation where after qualifying, you may see this number go down too, because the Chevys have been good at qualifying. Both Reddick and Chase have both been qualifying well. So plus 600, I think it might get bet down before qualifying. And then after that, if he you know goes out and does something great, you might not see it at plus 600. So get it while you can before it shifts. So now the question is, all right, well, if it's not going to be a Chevy, right? Because there are some other Chevy drivers out there that we could call out, but we're not going to do that. We're going to try to go a little less chalky. And I did this at Indy and it almost paid off for us. It's Austin Sindrick at plus 1,000. Plus 1,000. That's 10 to 1 on Austin Sindrick here. And I'm shocked at this value. Absolutely shocked. Now, you might not be shocked that I'm calling out the two car as one of my outright picks, but I can't believe that he's available right now at 10 to 1 on a Tuesday night because there's one driver in NASCAR that is four for four in top 10 finishes this season on road courses, and it's your boy Austin Sendrick, our Daytona 500 winner. That's who it is. He is coming into this Cup Series as kind of a touted road course skilled guy, right? Like that's what he's kind of known for coming in. I've looked back at it. He's got 15 career wins in the three series at NASCAR, and six of those 15 wins were at road courses. So that right there is an interesting thing. He really is a road course guy. We talk about other people that are like that. A.J. Allmendinger comes to mind. We know Chase Elliott is a pretty big road courser now, and Tyler Reddick's kind of fitting that mold a little bit as well. He's really showing to be very competent. Two wins on road courses so for Reddick. So why not jump on this bandwagon here? If you're looking at his career for Austin Sendrick, he won Watkins Glen in 2019 from the pole, just like Chase Elliott did that same year in the Cup Series. And last year, when Sendrick again was in Xfinity, he won the Indy Road Course. Again, we're saying that is a pretty good comp track. In 2022, he has two top fives, four top tens, as we said. Average finish is first in NASCAR, 5.5. He's got the best. We're not talking about Chase. We're not talking about Larson, right? Austin Sindrick has the best average finish after four road course races. His green flag speed, third. Driver rating, third. So this is the real deal. Not fluky. Not a joke. We're talking about Austin Sindrick, and you can get this guy at 10 to 1. He will play a factor in this race. My hand is up about Austin Sindrick. I was pretty skeptical on him coming into this season, right? He won the 500. Okay. And the, they take the foot off the pedal a little bit, you know. And I knew that he was kind of known for road courses, but, you know, how good was he? 
Well, when we're laying out these stats in the Cup Series, doesn't have that win yet, but when you're laying this out there, this is definitely a guy who could go out and get it done. So at 10 to 1, I need those odds. So if you can get them better than that, great, but lock me in. And, and all three of these guys, by the way, if you know 10 to 1 isn't, uh, you know, you're not sure about that, not sure how to how they're going to qualify, rather, DraftKings has odds for who's going to win the poll. And Chase, Reddick, and Sindrick are the top three guys that they have listed. So my point here is that if one of these guys does go out and win the poll, these odds are going to shift. So you're going to want to get them when you can. I sound like a broken record, but it's for a good reason. So to recap my outright picks, Chase Elliott plus 500, Tyler Reddick plus 600, Austin Sendrick plus 1,000. And I'll throw in, if they go out and qualify poorly, maybe not outside the top 20, but you know their odds shift the other way towards the gambler. I would double down. I would double down and get that value again on some of these guys as their odds shift the other way, if that were to happen. So just to tell you how much I, I believe in all three of these guys. So lock me in, baby. Let's get it done at Watkins Glen. Nothing is over until we decide it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Germans? Forget it, he's rolling. So next up, we're going to go to the finishing position segment here of the podcast, and I've got a few guys that I want to talk about. Again, may not be a huge surprise. Some of these guys, we've talked about them on road courses throughout the season, and I'm not going to stop now. So the first guy is Chris Busher. Now, right now, on DraftKings, he's minus 105. I'm waiting for the barstool lines to come out because normally they're better for top 10s, so I'd imagine you're going to be able to get him at plus money on barstool, but... Chris Buescher for a top 10. Now, Dale Jr., got a little beef to pick here, a bone to pick here with Dale Jr. He's blowing up my spot here. He was spending basically the back half of that broadcast just jocking Chris Buescher so hard. It's like, God damn, dude, you're going to let the cat out of the bag on this guy. He's pretty good for gamblers, so don't blow it up so the sports books start taking notice. We don't want that. Now, at Watkins Glen, this is a, a history versus... Now, a lot of this stuff is, actually, when we're talking about these guys in this segment, Watkins Glen, he doesn't have a top 10, right? So in the last four races, his average finish is actually 15.3. So right there, maybe that is the factor that, you know, the sports books are looking at to give us these pretty decent odds. Even minus one of five is pretty solid on DraftKings, but uh, I think that might be what they're looking at. Now, this season, though, is why I'm paying attention to him. Because in 2022, his green flag speed is 7th compared to everyone. And you know what his average finish is? It's 9.8. That's good enough for 5th. 5th in the Cup Series. We're not talking about, you know, the lower levels or things from the past. We're talking about this year, right now, Chris Buescher. And he's putting good numbers up against the best in the business. Three top 10s, including one top 5 at Sonoma. So, you know, this... This is a pretty solid situation now. And we've also got a tire test being done by Goodyear. Three different teams are going to be running that tire test. I would I would say it's a pretty good advantage to be a part of this tire test. And RFK is part of it. And their driver representative, Chris Busher. So he's going to get some extra track time this week in that car, in the tire that they're going to be running. Pretty good. So I think that this team, going back to what Dale Jr. was saying, this team 
actually is not out of it, right? We're talking about Truex and, and Blaney being the last ones out uh, and first one in, but we've got a team like Chris Busher, RFK, that could easily take some big swings and surprise some people. They almost won that damn race at Sonoma. They, they really showed strong, strong speed. And they're pretty good on road courses, I'm trying to tell you, this season. So this is a team that could take a swing for the fences here and maybe hit a home run. And if it's not this week, man, we might be on Busher next week as well. Because Daytona, they're not too bad with their uh, super speedway packages as well. So do not count the 17 car out. So for me, top 10, lock me in, baby. I want every part of this to see if they can continue this run of uh, top 10 finishes here. Now, the next guy we're talking about is pretty much the same story, just different driver. And we're getting some better odds here as well. It's Michael McDowell, plus 150 on DraftKings. That would go up once Barstool posts their lines, as we said. And it's the same thing, right? No top 10s at Watkins Glen. His average finish is almost almost very close. It's 16.8, very close to what we were talking about with Busher. So serviceable, right? Mid-pack. He's not running like totally in the back. 16.8, not too shabby, but this year... Three top 10s in 2022. Not too bad. And then his green flag speed is also in the top 10. It's ninth out of everyone. And here's the kicker. We loved the fact that Chris Busher was fifth in average finish on these four road courses in 2022. Well, guess what McDowell is? Michael McDowell, Eminem. He's third in average finish. His finishes this season on road courses. He started with a 13th place at Coda. And then ever since then, it was third, eighth, and eighth. That's some quality value for someone who is going to be in the game in this bet. This bet will be entertaining for you throughout Sunday. So this is Michael McDowell season. I mean, when this schedule came out and you saw these tracks back to back, Daytona and Watkins Glen, this is McDowell time right now. So, you know, it'd be a much bigger surprise if he were to pull something like this off and make the playoffs uh, compared to Busher. I think Busher actually you know, has uh, general speed to be able to actually compete if you were to make that round of 16. But uh, McDowell, hey, another one that could easily swing for the fences. And, and I can't see him winning this race, right? But I can see him putting it in the top 10, maybe at a top five, and setting himself up for that momentum that he'll need next week where we know he's very good. Now, just going back to Busher, right? I mentioned McDowell can't I don't think McDowell has race-winning ability at Watkins Glen. But if you wanted to say, all right, Busher's you know, good enough to take a swing here, he's plus 350 for a top five. I love that. And he's plus 2,500 to win the race. I am sprinkling a little bit of something on that as well. Not too shabby for what we're seeing there. So, like I said, maybe uh, some sprinkles on some of these guys down in the odds list and you could hit gold. I mean, we hit 2,500 on Tyler Reddick at Road America. Why not Chris Busher? Let's just, you know, keep him in mind on race day. And he's maybe someone, if you're not believing me, watch how he does in practice and qualifying and see, you know, if that convinces you as well. Just might not get as good of a value if we are correct. Now, the last guy or one of the guys here as we're wrapping up this segment, this may not seem like a, a big swing, but according to the odds, it actually kind of is. It's Martin Truex Jr. Everyone, including me, was saying, hey, last week was where he had the, the calendar circled if he was going to cash his ticket. Now, he's minus 140 to finish in the top 10. 
I cannot wait to see what Barstool's odds are because if he is minus 120 even, uh, you know, I think it could be better than that for the gambler. But minus 140 even still, I would consider taking that to finish in the top 10. Now, this is another situation of past versus present, but it's the opposite, okay? This is someone who has, this year, not been great on road courses. Toyota in general has not been great, but they have so much momentum going right now with what we saw at Michigan, with what we saw last week at Richmond. You know, the guys were you know, variously good, depending on who you're talking about. And uh, so Toyota, you know, definitely in the picture at Richmond. So now we go to a road course where they haven't been good so far this year. And Truex is definitely part of that. Only one top 10 and it came at Coda. He's 13th in green flag speed. His average finish is 16.5. But, and this is a big but, at Watkins Glen, he is first in average finish. You know what his average finish is in four races? 2.0. So before Chase went on his back-to-backs, 18 and 19, in 2017, Truex had the victory. Then, you know who finished second to Chase in both of those races? This guy, the 19 car, Martin Truex Jr. And then last year, he finished third to Kyle Larson and Elliott. So he is a huge huge factor at Watkins Glen for whatever the reason. I mean, he has just been great here. His driver rating speaks to that as well. He's first in that category, 130.0 in four races. That's only winning once. He's ahead of Chase. Unreal numbers at this racetrack. So there's something to be said about someone who just knows how to get around the track. Kind of spoke to it about Chase a little bit, but the same thing can kind of be said about Martin Truex. And all I'm asking you to do is finishing the top 10. What are we doing? This is just a, a steal in my mind. Now, one thing I wanted to do is kind of look back and see, you know, last year, how did he do on the road courses leading up to Watkins Glen? You know, was he kind of shitty as he was approaching? And the answer is not really. He, he did do pretty good at the other road courses um, heading in. It wasn't like astronomically bad. Uh, I'm not saying he's been astronomically bad actually this year. It's just you know, he's, he had a few more top 10s than he has this year um, coming in. So it's not like we could say, I was trying to make the point, digging into it, I was trying to be able to say, hey, look at last year. He really wasn't good on road courses, but then he, he did well at Watkins Glen. I would like to be able to say that was the case, but it's not. You know, he did Toyota, I guess, that team as a whole did better on the road course uh, packages, those programs last year, than we're seeing so far this year. So you're really just banking on a couple things. One, track history for this driver. He knows what he's doing at Watkins Glen. And two, the playoff scenario, the playoff picture. What are they going to do as a team to try to take a swing? Because, you know, if you're looking at these two races, this in Daytona, I mean, I think you can control more here as a team. So plus 250 to finish in the top five and to win the race. He's plus 2,000 on DraftKings. I would sprinkle a little bit on that just in case they throw a haymaker and this guy's up there. Because like I said, average finish at this track, 2.0. He's going to be up there. Late race? Restart? Shit. I don't know. I wouldn't count the 19 out if he's up there. So um, that's the the pick there for a top 10, we're going to wait and see what those odds are for Barstool. But right now, plus 140, I wouldn't even shy away from that. It's a little bit more juice than I'm used to giving up. But, hey, you can tell that I really like that driver. Now, a couple other bets, including 
the tool hangers bet of the week. So I want to just call out one other driver to sprinkle a little bit something on, and it's Christopher Bell. When you're looking at driver rating, average finish at Watkins Glen, and then road course stats this season, Chase and Reddick show up in the top 10 of all of those categories, but there's only one other guy that does, and it's Christopher Bell. Chris Bell only has one start at Watkins Glen, so that's a little skewed when we say that he's you know, fifth in average finish, 7.0. He finished seventh last year. Um, so you got to take that with a grain of salt, but he's still showing up. His name is there in driver rating and average finish on 2022 stats as well. So I got to call out somebody who we're seeing in every stat that we care about in our data set. And Chris Bell is pretty similar to Martin Truex as far as what the odds are giving us. He's plus 230 to finish in the top five. I think that's worth a look and shit. Plus 1,800. When I'm talking about, you know, any of these stats, I'm not including, for the first time all season, I'm not including his Daytona Road Course win. And he's still showing up. Uh, so, plus 1,800. We know that he's just been on fire lately as a whole, the momentum. So, plus 1,800 to win. I'll sprinkle a little something on that. But plus 230 for a top five, I'm, you know, pretty into that. Um, if we are going to see a Toyota, uh, you know, we like Martin Truex, but... Give Christopher Bell a little bit of a look, and we'll see how he does this weekend in practice and qualifying. So, got to call that out as well. Now, going back to the the bread and butter, though, our tool hangers bet of the week this week. I'm, I'm hitting with the head to heads, but I'm gonna go with something different this week, and it's Chevy's to finish one two. It's plus one eighty right now on DraftKings. It's a weekly special on DraftKings. And the reason for that is just because what have we seen for the last two years? It's Chevy dominating road courses. So talked about a few other guys who aren't driving for Chevy that we like for various reasons, but I cannot in good faith not take this bet. I mean, think of all the Chevy drivers. You know, we called out two of them that could win the race. They could finish one, two. This bet hits. We're not talking about Larson, Chastain, Suarez. They both won races so far this year. They've been really strong on the road courses. So I really see this as a strong bet. You know, th this is uh, something that you can rely on. Just like you can rely on tool hangers, they specialize in custom tool hangers for storing, organizing, and displaying on pegboard tool walls from circular saws, drills, batteries, cords, garden tools, hand tools, and more, anything that you have that you're looking to kind of clean up your garage, your basement, anything there to use for the, the pegboard, toolhangers.com will be able to help you out and get you something to fit whatever it is you're looking to store. And they were nice enough to team up for this regular season. We only got two races left for this promo here. And go to toolhangers.com slash full tank and see our history with the bets. We're getting $10. They're giving me $10 every week to make a bet. And anything that we hit goes into a pot. So on that website, toolhangers.com slash full tank, you can register for the drawing, the raffle that we're going to do after Daytona. And you could win whatever's in the pot in form of a gift card. So please go ahead, do that. And if we hit this bet, plus 180 for these Chevys, they're as reliable as tool hangers are. This could just be another $18 in that account. Gotta love it. So uh, let's get it done. We hit last week with a head-to-head. -head. That's where we've really made a lot of our bones. But uh, we're going back to the, the Chevy 1-2 finish because I can't ignore 
what Chevys have done on road courses this year. So um, a lot to wrap up here. I'm calling out McDowell, Truex, and Busher for top 10 finishes. I'm sprinkling a little something on Christopher Bell, Truex, and Busher to win. And uh, Chris Bell top five, maybe a little sprinkle there after qualifying. And then our tool hangers bet of the week, it's Chevy to finish one, two. So let's go out. Let's get it done. We'll add to that gift card, and we'll have ourselves a good time heading into Daytona. All right, how much? Hundred dollars? Two hundred dollars? Thousand? Hey, wait a second. What are you doing? You're not betting. You know he's not supposed to bet. Come on, Jerry. It's a lock. Kramer, you've had this thing under control for almost three years now. Don't start again. But it's a lock. No. So now we've gotten to the point of the podcast where I'm happy to bring on a guest, and it's a brand new guest to the podcast this week. And it's Rod Gomez. You can find him on Twitter at RJ Gomez. And I met him for the first time on uh, the Backroads YouTube show from In Between Media. And, you know, talked with them a, a few times this year. So I'm happy to be able to, to grab Rod and bring him on to the show. We're talking about a lot this week. So I um, hope you enjoyed. So without further ado, here's Rod. So now I am absolutely pumped to welcome on to the podcast for the first time, hopefully not the last time, Rod Gomez is one of the most energetic guys in the space, and uh, we have a lot to talk about. Rod, thanks so much for jumping on with me tonight, man. Bill, man, you are the pioneer, and I am honored to actually be on your show because, again, if it weren't for the success of your show... you know, I wouldn't be here probably, and, and our show wouldn't be as fun as it is. Well, I mean, I appreciate that, but I, I think uh, I can't see that being true, but I'll take it. Um, I, I thank you for saying that. So we have a lot to talk about. Um, you are one of the busiest people in the game. So we're going to talk about that in a second, because I want to get to everything, you know, for, for anyone, you know, you probably have heard of Rob, but if you have not, He's got a lot of different things going on, including the NASCAR Gambling Podcast, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. But before we get to any of that, I just wanted to hear a little bit about your background, like, you know, how you got into NASCAR and then kind of shifting into like how you got into gambling because your fingerprints are all over gambling, all over all sports. Um, So just like that transition were you always a fan did gambling make you a fan of nascar and just like that kind of uh you know background information and and you know how you got here yeah so in 2003 uh, i was home on leave i was in the army for uh, a few years and then I, I came home on leave one year and i was watching tv with my brother and my brother was watching the 2003 daytona 500 and he said you know hey hey rod you got to watch this this is I, he, he's loved nascar for the longest time, my grandparent, uh, my my grandparents, my grandfather loved NASCAR. My uncle loved NASCAR. I didn't pick up on it as a kid, but my brother did. So in 2003, he says, "You got to watch this race." So start watching Daytona, and and I'm like, "Oh yeah, this is this is pretty cool." And then as it got on, I was like, "Okay, this is really cool." And then obviously the rain shortened that race, and I thought, "Oh, well that that's kind of a rook." But I, I like what I'm seeing. This this I'm made fun of NASCAR for a long time, you know, right? Like everybody else, it's cool make fun of nascar but uh i was like yeah all you do is make left turns Eh, that's not true so anyways fast forward a little bit my brother says okay if you like the sport if you're going to follow it i'm going to give you three races pick a driver and and tell me what it is and we'll if you still are a fan cool if not whatever so 
I go back, I start watching races and, and I said, Hey, I kind of like this Jimmy Johnson kid. It was uh, long about then that he was a rookie. He's around my age. He's from California like me and, you know, sort of had that same sort of vibe going. So I picked Jimmy Johnson. Well, we all know historically how good of a pick that was, right? I mean, that, there's your intro to gambling right there, dude. Like you, you just a shot in the, the dark and you land on the, you know, big time driver. That's incredible. Yeah. So from there I became a fan and I, I was watching championship after championship and it's hard not to be a fan when the driver that you pick is killing it every single year. And so, yeah, I mean, I just, I loved, I loved NASCAR so much. As far as the gambling aspect of it, I just sort of stumbled on gambling last year, to be honest with you. And, and it was because of my affiliation with the sports gambling podcast. I joined them to write fantasy football and that opened the door to all sorts of crazy stuff. And I've started to learn how to bet and I learned the lingo and I realized how, how much more fun betting is, I think, than fantasy at some point in some aspects. So I kind of parlayed that into a, a, a gambling in, in the NFL and then NASCAR. I was like, hey, I love NASCAR. So I was doing fantasy for NASCAR. Let me just do gambling for NASCAR. Then I decided, well, you know what? This is cool, too. Let's start a show. <laughs> and so I grabbed Cody Zeeb. We started the NASCAR gambling podcast at the beginning of the year. And it's it's just the rest is history. That's awesome. So, so you mentioned fantasy NASCAR. I wasn't sure if you jumped like right into the deep end with just straight up like sports betting on NASCAR, or if you were playing around in, in fantasy NASCAR before that. So it sounds like you were, you know, dabbling in, in fantasy NASCAR. Cause I never, I never really got too far into it. Cause I always felt like, you know, I'm a fantasy football player myself. Like I always felt like it was kind of like a, a fake fantasy game. You know what I mean? So I, I never really got like fully into that. I still play uh, in various ways, but, um, you know, so I, that was going to be my follow-up question. It sounds like you did dabble in that a little bit. Yeah. And more in the DFS side of it too. I mean, I, I did more daily NASCAR than I did actual season long. In fact, last season was the first time I ever did uh, any sort of season long NASCAR. And, and to be honest with you, I'm, I'm not necessarily like you. I'm not really a fan. I, I like DFS cause I can change it up every week, but yeah, I mean, it's hard. It really is difficult when you're doing NASCAR season long fantasy to draft when there's only 39 drivers and only maybe 15 of them are actually relevant on a weekly basis, you know, that's exactly right. We, we, my cousin and I forced it for so many years. We had like six of us and we would sit around and draft night. That would be basically it. Like we would think like, you know, we're going to have trades and, and we like created our own website and did like, you know, head to head matchups each week, kind of like fantasy football. And it was fun for what it was, but it wasn't, it still felt like we were forcing it. So uh, I'm very happy that, you know, sports betting, definitely came around to, to get us into it because I mean, sports betting is, you know, this is a, a golden goose uh, for NASCAR um, in my opinion, but uh, that's a, a cool background. I like, uh, you know, how you were kind of persuaded into it, landing on Jimmy Johnson. That's a hell of a, a shot. Now um, you mentioned being in the army, just a, a quick question about that. I mean, does, I, I've always wondered like, you know, do veterans, like get a kick out of NASCAR's like, you know, all in mentality when it comes to honoring, you know, the, the troops and everything like that, or does it kind of like rub you like the wrong way a little bit? Like, are, are you like all in on that uh, thing? And is that something that was like a feather in the cap when you're following NASCAR? You know, every time you get appreciated, it's, it's a good thing. I mean, veterans are not uh, immune to that. We, we do enjoy being told now, listen, 
when everybody says thank you for your service, sometimes you just walk by and say you're welcome. But you know, you're always you always appreciate the uh, the extension of gratitude because they're they mean it. Whoever says it means it. You know, we may hear it a, a, a whole lot, and we may hear it almost every day, all day. Uh, so sometimes to us, we're like, yeah, yeah, but we still appreciate it. You know what I'm saying? Like it happens. And, and it's the same with NASCAR. They really do go all out to support veterans. And, and it's not that all talk either. They mean it. They carry it out with a lot of their programs. They carry it out, uh, especially putting troops on the track and, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy that aspect of it because it, it makes me feel a little more bought in knowing that. I'm doing something that they appreciate and, and whether or not they ever say it to me personally, just to know that the organization loves veterans as much as they do and, and loves the military and supports them as much as they, and even the drivers. I mean, you see it in the drivers, they love it and they eat it up. So, uh, you know, I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and first of all, I appreciate you. Um, but the, the sport itself, you know, I, I, I just never really had a chance to ask that question before. So um, I, I was always, wondering like, is that something that would turn somebody into an NASCAR fan? And it's very clear, like what they do is, is above and beyond any other sport that I follow. Um, and I follow a lot of them. Uh, so, you know, I always thought that that was cool, but I didn't know if, uh, you know, that was felt the same way. So very cool. Um, so you're, you're all over the place. So we talk about a, a lot of a sports. Um, you start up, let's start with the, the NASCAR gambling podcast. You start up with Cody. How's that going so far this year? Like I, I listen to you guys pretty much every week. You know, I, I when I cut my lawn, I've got like my podcast that I listen to. You guys are, are on that. And you guys touch on a lot of topics. You, you talk trucks, Xfinity, Cup, every race. Now you've got a, a recap show around that as well. Like you guys are pumping out content nonstop. So I have to imagine you're having fun with it because <laughs> it's there's a lot going on. Well, we started out by telling people that we are there for them, you know, and, and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network has a fantastic community around it. It's built such a loyal fan base to just about anything you can imagine. And I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pump all of the stuff, join the Discord for that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we we touch on so many things. And so part of that was was growing the NASCAR community and they already had a nice little family going. And, and me, I just sort of stumbled into it you know i was like oh they got a nascar channel cool let me let me get into that that's how i met cody and they wanted more i mean they they kept telling us you know hey when we first started we started with one episode and we had uh we had a little bit of news and then we we had a little bit of bets right it was sort of like a we're, we're good we'll get to the bets at the end they were like no nah, no nah, we want bets so we're like okay fine so we'll give you a betting episode and so we just knocked out all of the news all of the stuff and just made a betting episode and then they said, well, we want DFS. Okay, well, we gave them a DFS episode. And then they said, well, we want you to talk about your bets from before and some news and notes. So literally, we, we got three episodes a week out of this show because the fans in the Discord said, we're not done. We want more. And so I was like, well, I mean, if you guys are going to keep listening, Cody and I, we love doing this. We love spending time together talking about NASCAR. So Let's do it. And and now it's amazing to think that we're up to three episodes of just NASCAR. And then we spawned off an F1 show. So it's like, you know, I, I, I was just getting that. But before we get to F1, um, I just have to give you guys props because 
there are a lot of shows like, you know, mine's one of them where we're looking ahead. Right. And it's very rare. Like I, I try to give maybe like 10 minutes looking back, but there's, I, as a fan and as a consumer, someone who's consuming content, I've always kind of said like, damn, I would like to go back and listen. The only game in town was the Jeff Gluck, Jordan Bianchi podcast, which I, I like that. I like their breakdown. They give a unique perspective, but the, the gambling aspect of it is what I'm, you know, jonesing for. So you guys are, are hitting it right on the head and, you know, I can't see that. Uh, I mean, I can't see that going poorly. That's going to be a, a great success. Um, so I'm so thankful that you guys are jumping on that because it's going to give me uh, something to listen to at uh, the beginning of the week. Now, you mentioned F1. So I've got a, a brother-in-law. I've been trying to get him in NASCAR. Whenever we go to Coda, I have him on as like trying to convince him to become a NASCAR fan. Um, I was like, that's like my angle that week, that episode. And I uh, haven't really succeeded. And I sent him your F1 show uh, to say like, yo, you got to give us a look because he'll bet NASCAR blind on things that I send him. So F1, like background on that, like, were you an F1 fan or are you taking this more of an approach of like a gambler? Like this is, this is how we're able to, you know, make money in that market type of deal. I mean, a lot like everything else that I've stumbled upon the last couple of, of months, even really, it's it's all that I've never been an F1 fan. And in fact, I, I knew nothing of the sport a couple of months ago. But for the SGPN, we actually added uh, articles every week for F1. Cody started writing the articles and he was hitting some major bets. And, and I mean, there were some weeks where he didn't lose. And so we, we talked about it a little bit. And, and Cody said, well, you know what? We got to get an F1 show going. And I said, you know, I'm more than willing to jump on. I, I don't know much about it. I'm, I know from what I've read from you, I've watched a few races just because I want to see what you're talking about and the fact that you're hitting all these bets. And so we brought it up to the bosses and we were like, hey, we want to do an F1 show. <clears throat> Lucky enough, one of the bosses is a huge F1 fan. And he's like, yes, he greenlighted the show. We got a couple episodes out and, uh, and we're, yeah, now we're rolling with F1. And we landed a, a pretty big guess on episode three. So that was a, a, a huge get for us. And I mean, he may be back actually to, to do some pick shows. He, he, uh, he was saying he wanted to come back to pick with us. Wow. That's awesome. That's phenomenal. Like I, I just love the expansion. There's, there's no saying no, basically you're, you're taking shots, see if it hits. And that's, that's awesome. So for, for F1, just real quick, like, you know, I've always looked at betting F1, but it seems it's tough. It seems like it could be profitable because it's more predictable than NASCAR, but I guess it's about finding the right bets. Is that kind of like the approach? Cause I haven't had a chance to listen to the F1 show yet. Uh, is that kind of your approach to that market or are you just really looking at like the, the favorites and, and looking at the outright, you know, type picks? It's absolutely that you, you have to find the right bets to, to cash. In fact, uh, when we were doing the Hungarian grand prix, uh, a lot of our bets were, were not your typical bets. We, we bet on the fastest pit stop and, and got that one, right. You know, we bet on uh, podium finishes. We bet on double top six finishes. It's not necessarily that you're betting the outright. And in fact, if you bet on the outright and you bet the guy that won, he was actually at longer odds than he normally is. And, and, and even through the week after qualifying, he was even longer odds. So, you know, again, you just have to find the right time to bet the, the favorites if you're going to bet them because, yeah, I mean, Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc, like those guys are all over 
the, the, the winner's podium. But, you know, you can find better bets down the line, fastest laps, um, practice, quali- uh, practice and qualifying laps and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, there, there's tons to bet on that doesn't necessarily always entail you betting on the outright winner. That I love to hear that. I love to hear that. And I think my brother-in-law is going to be all over uh, all over that podcast. And uh, I hope to be able to give that a look too, because I love the, will there be a safety car bet? I always like throw that into like a parlay because it's always like minus whatever. Uh, and, you know, it usually hits. So, uh, but yeah, that's, that's, that's my, you know, little knowledge there. I, I had a, I had a double top six earlier this year. I think it was uh, around like whenever the Coke 600 was, whatever that was Monaco. Um, and uh, that felt good, but I'm not in any way, shape or form. Somebody who knows what they're doing there. I, my brother-in-law loves Max. So I kind of tail off of that and there we go. So I'm glad that you guys are out there, you know, breaking this stuff down for, for people like me. Um, and then in addition to that, like you got your football content, Rod. Like you, you're the amount of bets and, and things that have to be like going through your head, like on a weekly basis, just like unbelievable. Cause you know, you've got fantasy football. This is fantasy football season. Like I'm catching you like right before the storm here. So I'm thankful to to grab you. Um, but you know, I, I saw you were we were on Sirius XM at one point. Um, and you know, then just the you know, sports gambling podcast network, like you know, stuff for them. How do you do it all? How do you keep it all organized? If I if I knew that answer, I would tell you. But I, Tom, be honest with you, it it just happens. I I, I roll from one thing to the next. And you're right. There's so many things that I'm thinking about on a minutely basis, as far as going from CFL and then having to go right into NASCAR mode, and then having to go into fantasy football mode and uh, F1 mode. It, it's just it's one thing after another. But listen. You can you can choose to do something that you can do, or you can choose to do something that you love to do. And I continue to love sports. I've always loved sports. Fan football was my was my passion even before I knew what fantasy football was. Uh, and I started playing in 1998. I started playing fantasy football in '98. So I mean, I, I was playing well before anybody knew what fantasy football was. To be honest with you, so. You know, and it's always been my passion and I've always wanted to do something in sports. So the fact that we have you, you and I feel we have this outlet to be able to to create content, much like the people when I was a kid, you saw them on ESPN and that was the only way you could do it right now. You don't have to have ESPN. Now you have you can have a microphone and, and a board and a camera and you are the media person. So I get to do it. So I'm going to take my shot and I'm going to do it. Whether that means I have to cover 15 sports at once, so be it. But at least I'm talking sports, right? And somebody's paying me. The lights are on because I get to talk sports. That, that to me is, is why I continue to do it. That's phenomenal. Like what a great, like kind of overarching thing that you have, like great North star, right? Yeah. get to talk sports and that's what keeps the lights on. Like phenomenal, um, probably every, you know, young kid who, who's into sports dream, right? Like that's, that's, uh, very cool. So, um, it's, it at RJ via Gomez on Twitter, if he's not following Rod already, a lot of different 
takes a lot of different things that you can, you know, dip your toe into if you're following him. Um, I'm going to pick your brain a little bit. If we have time about some football stuff at the very end, cause, cause we're gearing up and uh, it's coming. So whether you're a NASCAR fan or uh, just here for gambling, who wouldn't want to hear some, some, co- uh, some uh, not college, but uh, fantasy football stuff. So, uh, but I am in very much into college, by the way. Um, so <laughs> I'm just a degenerate, Rod. I, I can't help it. Um, I, I got my board. I, I got my board above me, like all these different teams that I'm looking at, like over-unders for college football. Like that's just where my mind's at right now. Um, so let's talk Richmond, right? So I thought that was a pretty racy race. I, I thought it went pretty well, uh, but haven't had a chance to really bounce those thoughts off of anybody yet. So what did you think of the race? Just that face value. It's funny. If you look at the breakdown and you look at how many laps Joey Logano actually led in that race, you would think to yourself, well, this is a boring race. He, he ran away with it and he let, but that's not the case. Like this had action from beginning to end strategy calls. It had uh, opportunities where the leaders didn't lead for just a second or two. And then, I mean, and Cody and I always talk about if you bet, you have action up and down the track. So you're not always paid attention to what's going on in the front. And while that might be the drama might be playing out there, you're more concerned about a 10th place and a 13th place car trying to figure out who finishes above who. So, you know what I'm saying? Like that, this race had all of that still. It had Ross Chastain. It had uh, a little bit of everything in it. You know what I'm saying? Like for, for a NASCAR fan, for a, a, a race where somebody went out and just led a ton of laps, it still had everything you wanted in an actual race that happened and up to and including a feel good winner in back-to-back fashion. I was too scared to call Harvickville. I, I wish I would have, but I was too scared to call him out two weeks in a row. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it felt good to watch him cross the finish line again. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with everything you just said. Um, I mean, you said it better than I can uh, that, really did have everything. I mean, you mentioned like looking not at the the leaders, but like further back, there were big names battling to stay on the lead lap. There were like 14 cars on the lead lap late in the race and they were battling to get their laps back. And, and who's going to be the first car lap down? Who's going to be the first car two laps down at one point. Um, and, and there were bigger names guys that like I had money on who ended up hitting like in certain ways. So uh, that you know, definitely helps the race when you have more things on it. It's just why gambling is, it's another check mark in the box of like why gambling's a, a great idea for NASCAR to get behind. Um, with Harvick, I wholeheartedly agree. Like I looked at him, I usually call out three outrights on the pod and I called out Logano and he was going off the same number as Harvick at that time. And I, I looked at Harvick Saw, you know, he was jumping off the stat sheet to me. I ended up throwing Harvick into a head to head that I, I, you know, put a, put on a pedestal. Uh, But I I was scared to call him out too for the outright. Cause I I have a thing against back to back winners, just something. It's a mental block. I can't get over uh, because it doesn't really happen. And to see him go from where he was two weeks ago to now, like, are you thinking about throwing anything on him for the title? Like, or, or top four, at least like you kind of have to at least give it a look, right? Like I looked at what it was early in the week, but now I forget what his number was. I mean, are, are you 
you know, a, a quick reaction type guy or, or, you know, do you want to let the dust settle and, and head into the playoffs before you start, you know, really backing somebody like that? It's funny, but at the beginning of the season, I called Harvick as the winner uh, at 15 to one. And then we kind of doubled down halfway through the season. Cody said to me, well, listen, Harvick is 40 to one now. Now I think I'm going to go ahead and throw a little bit of something on him. So we, we basically, and I got laughed at so many times because they were like, uh, Harvick, no way. Harvick is done. And then, of course, the beginning of the season happened, and, and it just felt like he was done. And then, you know, all of a sudden now in the last couple of weeks, it's not so funny anymore, is it, everybody? <laughs> uh, I, was, I was pretty big on, on Harvick having one last hurrah in this car. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I still am now, especially now more than ever, because the smile on his face now, right? You, you shed that long losing streak, and I don't care who you are. I honestly don't care who you are. You could put a lot of stuff behind you. But after 65 races, after all of the, the media surrounding that, you break that, that cycle, you feel so much less weight on your shoulders and you go back to remembering why you were driving in the first place. And I think that's exactly where Harvick is. And he's a dangerous man now. Dangerous is exactly what I was just going to say. He, he's the, the shackles are off. He, he's no longer playing with kid gloves. You know what I mean? These guys better watch out. Like when the somebody on Derek's show every Wednesday night had been saying this, like once these veterans figure it out, these teams figure it out. The other guys better watch out. And Harvick, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. He's 12 to one to win the title. So you guys got him at, at phenomenal numbers. I mean, I still, that, that doesn't bother me. Like, you know, I don't have any action right now on him. I think that could get shorter. So, uh, I might throw something down on him this week uh, at that price. So, yeah, good to see Harvick. Now, the other storyline before we move on to Watkins Glen, which is why I have you here, um, the other storyline, I guess you could say, was the fact that now Truex is on the bubble. I wholeheartedly thought that he was going to be in. Like, I had him as the race winner uh, at, at 6-1. to one. I was writing it up as Blaney is going to be looking in and Blaney was going to get it done at Daytona to just create like even more drama. That's not the case now. So, you know, are you surprised by that? Like, did you, I guess, who did you have going into to Richmond and, and are you, you know, surprised that it's still Truex looking in? I actually, I had Blaney to win. I thought Blaney was going to come out. We, we, we knew Fords were going to actually be good. And we had Ford as the winning manufacturer for the race, but I, I had picked Blaney to do it. Now, obviously that didn't work out in our favor, uh, but Fords were good. I mean, Logano led all those laps. Blaney was around the front. Harvick obviously won. So for me, Truex, I, I rooted this guy on a lot early in the season. I, I thought, you know, he's going to get this figured out. Better days are ahead for Martin Truex. But much like Harvick, he seemed to not be able to put it together. Something happened, and he was running in front, and then he wasn't. And then he, he finished in front, but the next couple races were bad races for him. So it's just been too up and down for Truex, and, and I'm not sure we're going to see that Harvick breakthrough out of Truex. Time's running out, to be honest with you, first of all. We know this. Only a couple more races left. And unless he does something heroic at Daytona, then then he may still be looking out, uh, looking in on the outside. So, yeah, but for Truex, it feels more it feels less likely that he's going to produce something like Harvick did in the last couple of races, even though he's going to be on tracks that he's good at. The manufacturers are good at. But again, he hasn't put it together yet. And, and we're not getting any younger 
in this and neither is he. So I want to ask you kind of point blank. Cause I, I was just, you know, I recorded my part of the pod uh, before I hopped on with you and, you know, Truex is somebody that I had called out for a top 10. His number right now on DraftKings is minus 140, a little bit more juice than I like to give up, but I'm expecting Barstool to drop some better odds for me. Um, and the reason I'm doing that is because his numbers at Watkins Glen are, are ridiculous in his last like four races, uh, which is what I was looking back at. So my question to you point blank is, if you were to get it done, is it here or Daytona? Because let's assume he has to win, right? Let's assume that Blaney doesn't wreck at Daytona and he points his way in, right? Uh, which one does he have a better shot at? Because I think that plays a factor in how you bet. Oh, obviously. And I think Daytona is that one because that is really, truly a free-for-all. Because here's the thing. We've looked at track history over the last few months, right? I mean, since the season started, we, we look at track history and we try to figure out and play to track history. Truex is that outlier that never seems to play right to his track history. You bet him to, to do something that he did in the past and he didn't do it, right? So it, it's you have not been able to rely on track history with Truex, much like you weren't able to rely with Harvick either. Harvick killed it on every single track that he'd been on all season long. And it took until uh, two weeks ago to for him to actually break through. Now, Truex doesn't seem to be uh, closer to that because you watched Harvick, his pattern was getting there, right? It was, it was solid top 10 finishes. It was a couple of top five finishes. And you saw... If you go back and look, you can see the kind of progression from from Harvick where it was all of a sudden it was junk in the beginning and then he started to get there, started to get there, started to get there. And then all of a sudden he broke through Truex. You don't you're not seeing that pattern. You're not seeing that he's getting there. He's getting there. He's getting there. So if he's going to win, it's going to come out of the blue. And if any place that can come out of the blue, it's Daytona. It's a good point. I mean, a really good point about not being good on tracks that he has been good at previously. Uh, That that actually is is hitting me pretty hard right now um and it makes a lot of sense so daytona complete wild card i guess you know that is uh where they probably are, are throwing their eggs in their basket i don't know how you can um i maybe there's a part of me that thinks like they do expect to point themselves in i, I don't know uh it, it's going to be interesting to see that this playoff format love it or hate it it definitely creates drama and you know it, it makes a random summer race at Watkins Glen put a lot more eyes on it. So um, let's get to more like Watkins Glen talk. Um, I don't want to talk specifically about like, you know, who do you have that type of thing. Uh, And we'll get to some leans and other like, you know, different types of bets after we go through our head to head stuff. But how are you kind of approaching this race like i mentioned i'm looking at like the last four at watkins Glen because that brings us back all the way to like 2017 like uh what what are you concerning yourself with as you're trying to like figure out who you like who you don't like what things you throw out what things that matter to you i'm looking at this season's road races to be honest with you that's really where i'm focusing i i i want to look back at track history as much as it i need to look at it but this this year's road races have been more unpredictable, obviously, than we've ever seen. We, we all kept throwing out Elliott. We all kept throwing out Larson. We all kept, but we've seen Tyler Reddick win two. We've seen Daniel Suarez. We've seen Ross Chastain. Like, we have not seen what we've seen in the past. So, for me to look in the past, yeah, that's all fine and well, but these guys this year have been performing in, in ways that we haven't seen. There are some tracks, and Cody and I talk about this, that you can look at past history because 
muscle memory is a thing and knowing where the lines to hit. But road courses aren't necessarily like that, and especially this season at all, to be honest with you. So where I'm looking is I'm looking at a lot of what have you done for me lately? How have you ran lately? What, what was your road course setup like? Did you miss? Did you hit? What were your strategies? Obviously, we saw at Sonoma with Elliott and Larson. They were good, and they probably should have won, but strategy basically killed them in the end. You know, so, and, and with Larson, you want to love Larson. You always want to love Larson, especially even on road courses now, but you just, you don't see Larson like you did last year. So you can't count on that either. Elliot, sort of the same type of thing. You want to love Elliot on a road race because that's the narrative. But unfortunately, the finishes that you are used to seeing Elliot have, you're not seeing, you're not seeing him in front at the end of the race like you want to. So yeah, I'm looking more at what the road courses have, have done this season and, and what that tells us going forward into Watkins Glen. That's that's uh, in a good take. It's kind of a, a little bit different than how I'm approaching it because, you know, I think Watkins Glen being kind of an OG road course, um, you know, I mentioned earlier, like when I think of Watkins Glen, I think of Chase Elliott. So I do think that there is something to that, but I can totally understand someone just kind of throwing out the the past and just looking at this year. Now, speaking of this year, I had heard, I guess it was last night, Todd Gilliland was on with uh, Mojo Nixon on uh, Sirius XM and he was the first one to do it. And then I saw some other people kind of echoing this maybe on Twitter, but Gilliland said that he is actually looking harder at their notes from um, Indy and saying that because, you know, they think that that comps pretty well to Watkins Glen. He specifically spoke of like the first turn, how it goes up and to the right. And, you know, it's not as drastic as Indy, but um, that is something that they're looking at. Now, I don't know if he's saying this because they finished in the top five and they want that to be the case, but uh, does that matter anything to you? Like, do you kind of maybe look a little bit harder at, at how the guys finish at Indy and, and put a little emphasis on that? Or does that just kind of go out the window? Well, it's funny you said that because I saw that that tweet too, where they were kind of showing side by side the the turn of of Indy and then the turn of Watkins Glen. So to me, yeah, I mean these guys obviously this is what they do, right? I mean they they spend their time uh, making notes and and rewatching film, and so if they see something there, and like you said, if more drivers are jumping on that and 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 noticing that, then absolutely, I think there's something to be be said about it, and not just from the standpoint of of comparing the the turns and all that stuff, but just the fact that that was the last road race, right? So that's the most recent data that they'll have on their braking, on the on just where they were at, their pit strategies, and and all that stuff going on. So um, that's that's where gonna, they're going to draw from to get a lot of their inspiration for Watkins Glen, I'm sure, because the data points can't be that far off when you're when you're dealing with a road race. And you saw a lot of craziness happen in uh, Indianapolis to the tune of even Kyle Larson flying through the air and, and striking another, uh, another car. So, you know, it, the, the, the amount of things that happened on that course in and of itself, they got to think that they're, they're looking at it and trying to figure out how to minimize the damage one and, and two, how to best get around it. You're right. It, Gilliland's probably saying, please let this be exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I kind of felt that a little bit when he was, uh, try- maybe he was convincing himself a little bit, but in either way, it was an interesting you know, thought I hadn't thought of it until then. And then, you know, it seemed like others were trying to make that case. So 
Um, all right, let's get to some picks here. So what we're going to do now, uh, this is what we call the, the full tank face-off. I'm coming off of a loss to Skybox NASCAR, which is pretty rare, Rod. I don't usually lose these things. I think I'm like hitting like a 66% uh, clip. And Mark got me like twice this year. I don't know how he's the, the only guy to, to beat me twice. So uh, I'm out for some revenge. Uh, but the way we do this is um, we're going to talk about three head-to-head matchups and reasons why we like certain drivers over another. Um, and then at the end, you know, so Rod, I'm going to talk to you if you want to take two choices or just one. Uh, and basically we're going to end up with three and I'll put the, you know, Photoshop, uh, the bad Photoshop tail, the tape out there for people to take a look at, see who they're riding with this week. And, uh, so if Rod takes a matchup, he's going to tell us who he likes. I get stuck with the other guy. That's how it works. And there's nothing I can do about it. So I'll, I'll try to defend it or, or try to see if I can make a case for my guy or, uh, if Rod made the, the right pick. So, um, does that compute with you, Rod, do you understand the game here or uh, any questions on that? No, I'm good. Let's do it. So my first question to you is, how have you been on road courses this year? Are you road course rod or am I uh, coming into a, a, an advantage here? You might be able to get me on this one. It's not <laughs> that I haven't been road course rod, but uh, yeah, I mean, the, the picks have been uh, off and on, definitely off and on. Because, you know, it, it, when you pick Elliott or you pick Larson and Tyler Reddick sneaks in, you're having a bad day. That's that's right. Um, so... The follow-up question then, do you want to go twice as the guest or only once? I'll go twice. Let's do it. Love it. So with that, then uh, the floor is yours. Who is your first matchup and the choice that you're going with? My first matchup is AJ Allmendinger and Chase Briscoe. I am taking the AJ Allmendinger side, and I can't even understand. This is juiced at minus 105. I cannot understand why Briscoe is actually the favorite in this matchup, to be honest with you, how can you get a guy, anybody that's over AJ Allmendinger? Look back at Briscoe this this season in road courses. He finished 30th at Austin. He finished uh, 13th in Sonoma, not bad. Uh, 14th at Elkhart Lake, and then 23rd in Indy. Where AJ Allmendinger? Look, we know this guy is a phenomenal racer. We know that he can race in just about any condition known to man up to and including the fact that his cool suit was not working and he muscled through it anyways, no power steering, no problem. He'll still finish 19th in Sonoma, which didn't finish as good as Briscoe, but even still, you know, this guy is, is crazy. Have the finishes been there the first couple of weeks, uh, first couple road races of the season? No, he finished 33rd, 33rd at Austin, 19th at Sonoma, but he did follow up with a, mm, just a gritty seventh place performance in Indy and a ninth at road America. So roll me up some AJ Allmendinger. I, so I'll I'll pull up my paper right now, but you're not gonna be able to see, but I, I had this written down. I had terrible handwriting. You probably can't make it out, but this hits me on two different levels here, Rod. Um, One, I had that as my number one choice. Uh, And it's for every reason that you just said. Uh, I was also fading Briscoe and, you know, we kind of skybox last week kind of uh, dodged this little rule here. But, you know, once you take either one of those two drivers, I can't call them out. So I also had Christopher Bell fading Briscoe uh, as well. So I'm not going to be able to take that matchup. So it hit me on on two different levels here. 
And it's for a good reason. I mean, AJ, you know, he's just a, he's the road course guy. Like there are so many guys that, you know, we try to make that case for chase is one of them. Uh, I think Reddick is potentially becoming somebody like that. We call we all could probably get behind that, but AJ has proven it and multiple different track type or excuse me, car types, uh, series and multiple different tracks, new tracks, OG tracks, whatever the case. So AJ is a good choice here. The only case I can make for chase Briscoe, um, is last year only start at Watkins Glen. He finished ninth. Uh, so to you, you made it clear past track history. doesn't really matter, but I'll try to hang my hat on that. And last season, Chase Briscoe was a pretty serviceable road course guy. Like he kind of looked like he was going to be part of that, like next group of younger drivers who are taking advantage of all the road courses that are on the schedule now. And, you know, they're, they're like, yeah, let's, let's feast on this this year. You just said it like has not been the case. He doesn't have any top tens yet this year. I think if you're going to win this battle, you're probably going to have to be in the top 10. Like one of these guys is going to have to be in the top 10 to, to come out victorious here. So um, two top 15s, I think for Briscoe, I think that's what I just saw. Yeah. Two top 15s. I don't think that's going to get it done. Uh, so I would say hats off to you. I think it's a good, good bet. And I'll just cross my fingers that, you know, track history does matter. And last year's stats, um, you know, kind of come to him. So good pick. So it's AJ over Briscoe. That's Rod's first choice. Okay. Any, uh, any follow-up to any Briscoe talk there or, uh, I mean, just good. look back at his, at his last three races, 23rd at Indy 20th at Michigan, 23rd at Richmond. He's on a cold streak. So. Yeah. I thought, I thought he looked good last week too. It's SR or uh, Stewart house racing performed great last week. And Briscoe was racing well until stage three, they got hung up with something. Somebody got into him or they had a bad pit stop or something. I was, it was a shame to see that. Cause I, I thought that they were looking like a top, 10 car for you know a lot of that race it was a shame to see how they finished but you are right bad momentum they need to get it together because they're in the the playoffs they need to figure it out quickly um all right so my pick uh i went on and on and on earlier about how chevy is just like dominant on road courses but i'm gonna go against that in this matchup i'm gonna give you a chevy and uh i'm gonna have you kind of uh, roll with some of the things that you were saying earlier. So I'm taking Austin Sindrick and I'm giving you Kyle Larson. Um, Austin Sindrick to me, you talk about how this has been a tough road course season where there hasn't been much consistency. Our guy, Austin Sindrick has been consistent Four for four top 10 finishes um, I called him out as a 10 to one pick to win the race. I think Austin, if it's not going to be a Chevy, he is a guy that could get it done, finish second, you know, was very much in that race at Indy. Um, so if that is an extra comp track, you know, there you go. Um, young driver, his, his, I'll throw out the stat there to you, Rod, that I threw out earlier, which was 15 career wins in NASCAR and six of them are on road courses. So, uh, this is a big, he, he needs to, you know, get a diverse portfolio going. And, um, but while we're here, I'll, I'll take him. So Kyle Larson, you made the case like last year, he was a, a done deal, but this year it has not been as predictable for Kyle Larson. It, it seems like it's always an adventure when we go to these places. So um, for me, 
I'll take the guy who's been pretty consistent and uh, hope that it continues at Watkins Glen. He has not been there in the cup series, but he won from the pole in 2019. So um, I like that stat as like a kicker. So how do you feel about Larson? I feel like you can have mixed emotions about him. Oh, you definitely have mixed emotions about it. This is a battle between the first two winners of the season too, right? I mean, these guys both got off to a hot start and just cooled down considerably. Cindric, everybody thought that this was the, the, coronation of an all-new driver, a young driver that's going to take this uh, league by storm. And I, he's run well. He's run in the front a lot, obviously, but he hasn't been able to punch through again. Where, look, Kyle Larson, yes, this has not been his season. This has not been the season of the five. Hendrick, not even necessarily that dominant of a, of a team as it used to be in the last couple of years. I say that with bated breath because everybody is going to be like, oh, no, they'll get all this. And yes, it's true. But when you're used to seeing a number five cross the finish line nine times, 10 times, 12 times in a row, like you start to get used to that stuff. And so but this this is where Kyle Larson has to stop. This is a road course that he's comfortable with. This is a, a situation that he needs to figure something out. And this team knows it. I talked about time running out on on guys like Martin Truex or, or anything. Look, time's running out on Kyle Larson to prove that he can be a factor in the playoffs. So you got to figure that Daytona is a crapshoot. Everybody kind of uh, approaches that in their own way. But this is where the five car and the five team probably has it circled on their calendar. I like to say that a lot. And we like to say circled on the calendar, right? To say, this is where we have to get it done. So if we don't get it, this is the, the test. Now, they've probably been saying that all season long because of who they are and what their team is, but this really is. And and to me, they're going to throw everything they've got at Watkins Glen. They're going to learn from the fact that they made a bad strategy call in Sonoma that cost them basically the win. And I think this five team is going to come out swinging. I think you should fear them regardless of where they start because they, they can do the right things to move him up front. So, yeah, I think even if he's going to finish above Austin Sindrick, it's going to be a top five finish. All right. Yeah. I mean, I'm taking a risk giving you a Chevy because Chevy's, I mean, they clearly, the program has figured out road courses um, at a high level. So uh, I know that I'm taking a risk, but we'll, uh, we'll see if it pays off. So um, with that, let's get to the third and final matchup, the rubber match here. Who are you going to take in the last matchup here, Rod? All right. Well, I am taking Joey Logano and I'm going to give you William Byron. Joey Logano, look, I, I get it that on a road course, probably not the best pick in the world, but Joey Logano lately, he's been running into problems, sure. Like, there's been there's been situations where he's he's fallen off, but Joey Logano's a scrappy guy and can find his way back around. And, and for William Byron's sake, his finishes have been so spotty this season. It, it seems to me like he's just all over the place. Yeah, he's had two top 15 finishes in the last couple of weeks, but he had a 31 place uh, in Indy and ninth place in Sonoma, which was okay. Uh, but, you know, you look at what he did in Austin, 12. I just to me, Byron has been so inconsistent and so much bad luck surrounding him uh, when it matters that I don't feel comfortable taking Byron in this. And Joey Logano, he's a driver, again, on a mission to prove that he is a good enough driver to make it farther into the playoffs still than he was. And uh, these Toyotas, they look good in spurts, to be honest with you. They've been looking pretty solid lately, running up front in a lot of the races, especially uh, in Indy, where most of them were hovering around the front. So I think if you're talking about them taking notes from Indy, 
this is a good idea for them to do as well as those Toyotas running around up front. So uh, give me Joey Logano over William Byron this week. I, I think this is an interesting matchup. Um, so when you first said it, I was devastated because Logano, I'm, I love what I'm seeing out of Logano right now. Even though he couldn't get it done last week, I threw a championship bet on him because I, I loved how they were able to pass cars in that first stage. They were being very aggressive and they would hold on to the lead, obviously, um, for most of that race. He was able to hold off all those guys at Michigan with a, you know, not a shit box of a car, but a, a slower car. And he was able to, you know, do the job and get it done for the, the Ford um, company. So I like what I'm seeing out of him to be going against him in this matchup hurts me. Um, but if I'm going to make a case for Byron, this is, this is going to be the case. I'll start with Logano. He's not been good at Watkins Glen four races. He's, he's Oh, for four top 20 finishes. So that's, that's concerning to me. Like, you know, track history or no track history. Like that's top 20. That's not even like half the field. Um, that's tough. Meanwhile, Lugan, or excuse me, uh, Byron is two for three for a top 10. Now, this season, the reason why I like your Logano pick is because Byron has just fallen off. Like, there was a time, probably the, the first time I was on the back road with you guys, um, I think I was like all in on Byron to win the championship at that point. And man, what a, what a turn he has taken. So I don't like being stuck with him for that reason. Um, but you know, they're, they're pretty similar, their stats this year, uh, as far as like road courses, the four tracks, they both, uh, I think have one top 10 this year, two top 15. So I guess I'm happy about that because I'm not getting stuck with someone who's like totally out of it. Um, I think that these two, this would be a hell of a battle. I think, you know, uh, for anyone who's like throwing money down, tailing either one of us here, this is going to be a fun matchup to watch. So uh, I like it. I like how you you threw it into the mix here. And um, yeah, I mean, I'll just cross my fingers and, and say, Byron, I haven't cheered for Byron in a while. I have not thrown any money on him in quite a while. I was actually rooting against him hard last week because Skybox took him in two matchups, which was ridiculous. So we had to put a stop to that. Um, so yeah, that's that's a good pick. I think it'll be fun to watch, and um, we'll see what happens. So good stuff. Um, so to recap, I was just trying to write them down so I don't lose it. Um, first matchup, AJ Almendinger. That's Rod versus me, Chase Briscoe. Um, I am taking Austin Sindrick over Kyle Larson. And in that final matchup, it's Rod with Joey Logano and me with William Byron. So. Um, what do you think your chances are if we were to handicap the, the full tank face off this week? What do you think you're sitting out here, Rob? I feel like I got a two and one in me. I got to give you one. Cause I, I think I, I like the one that, uh, I like the Cindric over Larson one, but I, I, yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, you got to like the picture you went with. So, um, that makes sense. So any other leans, you know, we, we want to make sure we're, we're getting you out of here at a good time. You have a lot of stuff to do tonight, um, as we kind of documented earlier, but any other thoughts on Watkins Glen before we, uh, start to wrap it up you know as a road race being one of the last couple of of races of the regular season it just it, it's a, a huge adjustment for these drivers to to mindset of, of going from where they were 
to where they are now. And, and Cody and I've talked a lot about the scheduling of this all, you know, it hasn't necessarily been the same mile and a half track week after week after week. They've had to adjust their mentality to different track styles just about every single week. And they're going to have to do it again, you know, where they went from Richmond to Watkins Glen to Daytona, right. To end the regular season. We've seen some crazy stuff happen this season. And I don't think we're done seeing crazy stuff. So as you go into Watkins Glen and, and look, honestly, if you don't like the numbers and if you don't like the matchups and if you don't like the books this week, you're not alone. Me and Cody were actually just saying, we don't really like this week. So if you feel icky betting some of this stuff, it's okay. Like I get it because there's a lot of these matchups, a lot of these things that you're just kind of like, uh, I don't know if I necessarily like this. So don't feel bad. If you don't like betting this week, just hold your nose bet what you can and still have some fun with it. There you go. That's a, that's a great, great piece of advice. Like you don't have to bet it just because it's on the circuit, like sit back, relax, save your money, and then sprinkle some on some guys, more guys next week. Cause you know, if you lose that money, you have uh, less money to play with next week, if, uh, depending on how you handle things. So good advice. I mean, yeah, there are certain things that I do really like, but there are others that kind of have me skeptical. Like the, the thought of a, a different winner. You know what I mean? You mentioned guys coming out of the blue earlier this season, these four tracks, four different winners. Where would that be? You know, where on the odds list are we going to find someone? If it is somebody kind of out off of uh, left field, who's that going to be? And where are they going to uh, be listed at? So it's good advice. Um, so before I let you go, I wanted to talk a little bit of football uh, because it is football season. So, and I told, uh, some buddies of mine and uh, my other brother-in-law, my wife's other brother about this. And um, I had some, just uh, two quick questions for you. Uh, and then if you want to add anything else, go for it. But the first being from the Philadelphia area, I have to ask you, um, is Jalen hurts a top five quarterback in fantasy football this year? As far as maybe I'm not asking you to like predict the future of the season, but in your draft, this year, do you approach, you know, your draft thinking that Jalen Hurts is a top five quarterback option for you or no? What's crazy is that I'm not a guy that loves to chase after quarterbacks until like round 10. So Jalen Hurts is never there for me. So if you're asking me if other people value him as a top five, yes, they do. I've seen him go off the board very early. And it's because of the fact that we think he's going to be a, a big rushing threat again this season. And, and as we know, mobile quarterbacks, if you can gain more with your legs, it's the same as throwing passes. And we saw it with Lamar Jackson, right? Is like a thousand yard rusher. Is Hertz going to be that many? No, but he will be able to give you a, a good floor, especially with his legs. And look, he doesn't have bad weapons surrounding him this season. Now, am I trumpeting the, the Eagles going to be a fantastic team this season? I'm, I'm sure they'll be good. And Jalen Hurts will be a large part of that. So uh, yes, people are valuing him up there in the top five as a quarterback. For me, like I said, I don't like to touch quarterbacks that early. But if I were, and if he if he came to me in that position uh, to where it was a top five, I would grab him. Again, the floor is there. His legs give him the floor. And, you know, with the Devonta Smith over there, uh, it's nothing but good things for him to be able to throw. A young, a young receiver, young quarterback, they got nothing but good things ahead of them. Good stuff. Uh, just a quick follow up to that. I mean, I, I feel like when we listen to experts, 
a lot of people say the same thing. Like I'm not taking a quarterback too late. And then I look at like mock drafts from like magazines and, and podcasts and things like that. And no one touches quarterbacks, but then in my unprofessional drafts, like quarterbacks are flying off like hot kicks and you're kind of forced into a corner. Like, does that happen to you? Like when you draft with your buddies or is everybody just so good in your circle that like things kind of play out the way that the pros would suggest. I, I ha- I'm in so many leagues that it happens all <laughs> over the place. I mean, okay. it, yeah, I mean, it happens where, yeah, I, I, there's leagues that I'm in where like the first pick of somebody's draft is a quarterback and, I, and you know, Mahomes, a Josh Allen, and that's to be expected. I mean, even professionals do that. Uh, not necessarily. They don't all sit back and wait on quarterback, but you know, it, to be honest with you, it's funny because we all consider ourselves experts at some, right. But really what we're all trying to do is just predict and, and everybody approaches it different. And for me, like I've, I'll never say I'm an expert, but I I've done a lot of it. <laughs> so yeah, I, I definitely yeah. have a lot of experience of, with it. So I'll say it, I'll say you're an expert. That's <laughs> fine. I, I can be the one from the outside saying it. Um, so last question real quick over under Panthers win total six and a half. I'm over on that win total. Do you love that? Hate that? What are your thoughts? I already wrote up an article about this. I'm on the under for sure. No. Yeah. Look, wow. This team is going to be a hot mess. And, and look, Christian McCaffrey coming back and, and having a full season. If he does, maybe, but you look back at their records, man, they have not been good since cam uh, was there. And so you had the ghost of Sam Darnold. Now it's, it's Teddy Bridgewater. I just, there's nothing there anymore for, for you to hang your hat on other than Christian McCaffrey being good. There's talent, but as a team, they're not performing. And I I haven't seen it. And I don't think we'll see it this season, unfortunately. That's, that's fine. Um, My (laughs) brother-in-law, my my younger brother-in-law is a huge Panthers fan. I don't know how, I don't know how he didn't get his ass kicked uh, growing up in this area, but um, somehow he, you know, was giving me the spiel about the defense being legit Robbie Anderson coming alive. They won five games last year with Darnold who stinks. You know, what's another two games in a 17 game season. So he had me, he had me all fired up, but I wanted to ask you and I'm glad that I did. Uh, so that explanation makes sense. And I'll, I'll go make sure I read that right up too. to, to yeah, I was gonna say, I'll send you the link to that. Send me the link. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, uh, I want to let you go. You're going to record the back road, which I was uh, happy to be a guest on a couple of times. So I appreciate you guys having me on there. That's in between medias production. Um, like I said, you're a busy guy. So thanks so much for making the time for me and uh, good luck this week at Watkins Glen and heading into the, the postseason here. Absolutely. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. I'm sorry. Like I said, I'm sorry that it was only an hour. I'm sorry that we could, couldn't uh, stretch this out for a, a country mile, but I enjoyed my time with you, Phil, and I'll do it again in a heartbeat. Absolutely. You're a recurring guest now. So uh, I'll definitely make sure we connect again soon. So thanks a lot, Rod. I appreciate it. Thank you, Phil. So that's going to do it for another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Thanks so much for listening, as always. And thanks to our guest this week, Rod Gomez. What a great time we had with him. So go out, place those bets early. I think the odds are going to shift down a little bit, get them in for Watkins Glen, and let's load up our wallets for the season finale, the big one. We've got a huge week next week for Daytona. So remember, drive fast, take chances, and we'll see you next time. Have no place to go. Have no place to go. Have no place to go.
Go. 